Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Uh, doing good, Shad? I am cold as hell. Because it is, <laughs> it is, I think it's, it might have gotten to 40 degrees today, but I'm pretty sure it didn't, and there was snow on my car this morning, which... Because all my coworkers you... were like, hey, like, the cold's done, and like, the end of March, I'm like, no, you can't trust no. Ohio until May that you won't yeah. see snow again. You know... I'm in the mid-Atlantic area out here in, <clears throat> in D.C. area, but that it's probably warmer than where you are maybe, but it was a little bit warmer today. But you can't – it's kind of the same way. Like you can't really count it to like warm up nowadays until like May. And I don't remember it being that way when I was a kid, but I don't know if I just like have forgotten or no, it was it's that just way how things are now. Ohio's always been that way. <clears throat> yeah. Kentucky's always been that way too, because the Ohio and Kentucky, where we're on the Ohio River uh, Basin, or on the Ohio River Valley, not basin, but you know the it, it creates this weird kind of. You know what? You guys didn't tune in for meteorology. We're gonna no, get our shout out episode. Right here at the beginning. The first one's gonna go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. Collar and Elbow Brand dot com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four capital C and corners capital P and podcast to save 10% off your order. Then we pass the ball to Matt for other shout out. Yeah, that would be to Orlando Cologne. Um, you know, Orlando Cologne, generally a fearless man, fearless warrior. Uh, guys, I think he would be terrified himself of uh, dumb Matsumoto. <laughs> yes. Wow, Matt, that sounds like a segue. It is a segue. All right, Brad, what are we doing tonight? So, um, 2022, I guess, on this podcast is going to be the year of Joshi because we've talked a metric crap load about it. So, um, we have two matches tonight. We're doing, um, Dump Matsumoto versus Bull Nakano from 1985 and, um, we'll just call it, we'll just call it an organized riot. 86, 86. 86. Okay. Yeah. 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 The video, um, dub looks like it's, uh. May 1986. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, that makes more sense on the timeline. And then, um, then we are doing a match from last year that got quite a bit of hype, I believe, and that is um, Suri challenging um, Utami Hayashida for the World of Stardom Championship. And this is from like June of last year. I'm not really sure how you pronounce her name. I, because I think Chris Brooks, who was one of the announcers, they were, I think he was saying it Hayashishita. I think. I was just going phonetically, <clears throat> but it's very long. I think it's Hayashishita. Okay. Which he he said it way more like 
fluidly than I would have. Like I, I struggle with that one. Like Utami is like easy to pronounce. I mean, but he probably has practiced it because she is like <laughs> close enough to smack the shit out of him if he gets it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna call her Utami when we get to that section. Yeah, that's so. easier. We're gonna, I'm mm. gonna go with that too, just because it's a mouthful of a name, and we'll sound dumber and dumber <laughs> each time we like butcher it. Yeah. So which one are we starting with? Let's go. Um, let's go age before beauty on this one and go with the old one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this was uh, Bull Nakano versus Dump Matsumoto, as uh, Matt already said. And um, you know, I, I'm I was uh, a, like I knew of a little bit of Bull Nakano stuff coming in here, but just on the beginning of the this is young Bull Nakano, I think, and. Oh, she's like two years in, so she's like probably just like a year into having a gimmick. I got to tell you, um, the two of them come off as serious hard asses at the beginning of this. Well, let's let's just um, let's just mention this too. So, Dump Matsumoto was in like the original Observer Hall of Fame group. Like she was one of the OG like inductees into there. So. That should give you an idea. What were you going to say, Matt? Sorry, I muted myself for a second. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I think I was going to say, like, I'm not sure how early into her career Bull Nakano was. Um, Three-ish. I think she debuted in 83, and this is 86. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure, but she she was she was very young. Beyond that, like this, this match is probably like a decade or close to a, a little, little under a decade from when we saw her first in America and like uh, WWF slash WWE. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think I have ever seen her work as a face, and I don't know if you could quite call her a face in this, but it's she seemed like the face in this match. Well, I'm gonna be honest with um, you. She mm-hmm. was teaming with Dump in 85 and in her group. So there was some fallout at some point, like in 85 and early 86, that would have led to this. Hmm. i got to be honest with you. I don't know if I'd so much call Bull Nakano a face in this one as much of, as a victim. Because uh, this barely – I don't even know <laughs> if you can call this a match. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. With, the other thing with Japanese crowds um, and Joshi crowds especially is if you put a heel and a heel together, they're going to pick which one they like better and cheer them like they're a face. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, all right. That's interesting. But I will, say, I will say, though, so before we get into it and what we liked and didn't like, but if I had seen this contextually in 1985, I think this would have, like, blown like circuits in my brain because it is so unlike anything like that was going on in america at the time yeah this is almost ecw-esque honestly you know what i was i'm glad you said that because i if in in all of men's wrestling you know you've, you've probably had some comparisons but even today with like modern wrestling and just specifically remove yourself from even like joshi wrestling which others are way more knowledgeable about than I am. But if, if you just take like American, like North American women's wrestling from the last, let's say 35 years, cause that's, that's like a time frame we're dealing with it. I still think this is like 
bizarre. It's even like a head scratcher, even even having that background. It's like you don't see anything like that today. Like the oh, really the hardcore matches that we've gotten out of AEW, like with Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, the that tables a tables match they basically between the Bunny, Ty Conti, Penelope Ford, who is I forget Anna J. Anna J. Yeah, yeah. Like it's even that like kind of pales in comparison to this. This is like just chaotic. Yeah. The the thing is the the matches that you just brought up those those were very clearly matches. This one, um, I called it an organized riot. Is how I described it to you before we watched it. They, it's like a fifteen minute uh, match or match, fifteen minute long sequence. They don't even start. I feel doing actual wrestling moves until like the like the last minute. Yeah, the last the end Not, round where they start throwing some bombs on each other. Yes, yeah, they start doing like pile drivers and and, and uh, German suplexes and stuff. You get a little bit here and there, but not enough that it would be like, oh, this is a wrestling match. Yeah. Like, is this just a, a spectator brawl going on? But I will say for me, though, the one thing that really stood out, though, and I, I haven't had a lot of exposure, and I know this is probably the first exposure to, for you guys for Dump, but I was just like, wow, she is like a grade A heel that is absolutely terrifying. Oh, yeah. She's there. There's many men who their entire careers like they have not been as like effective in conveying just like like malice and conveying mm-hmm. like just a, I, I'm going to say this like I'll say this like affectionately because I mean obviously like it could be a negative word. Um, this is a bad bitch. Yeah. Like, I don't you, even think um, I mm. think calling her a bad bitch is like actually underselling like what she is especially in yeah. this match that uh, that's like i get where matt's coming from yeah that's mm. that's a good way of putting it but it doesn't quite carry the gravity yeah um she's like bruiser brody on steroids it kind of i mean i want i want to almost say it's like she's abdul the butcher but she's way better than abdul the butcher and um <laughs> Like, actually seems to be, like, a very competent, good worker. And just charisma. Uh, her charisma is just off off the charts. Yeah. Yeah. She's and think, able to convey so much without ever stopping and, like, getting on the mic or, you know. Just the way she's walking around and doing stuff definitely yeah, cause tells you a lot. Because you're immediately almost, like, I felt like you're almost taken aback by her and you're like, ooh, like, I don't know, like, this can't be good what's about to happen. Yeah, mm. I'm sorry, Matt. Go ahead. I I, I cut you. Off. Uh, uh, sorry. I, I had looked this up, but what was her um, what was the stable that she? Oh, villainous ink or something. Uh, no. Okay, no. I'm looking. It's it's the English language version of it is atrocious alliance. That's um, a that's a good name. Too. Yeah, I I'm trying to see what the actual like uh Japanese name for it was, and. I, when I was looking that up and I was kind of like looking at this match and seeing, like kind of doing comparison, I'm I'm just thinking because we saw a modern match and and uh, Brad and I are are definitely trying to watch or pay attention to more stardom, and I'm just thinking it's like the most uh, I guess like uh, objectively villainous heel stable in stardom currently is uh, Orotai. The that's like a heel stable and it's, and it has been for like a few years. They've gone through different iterations and leaders 
but this that pales in comparison. It's like like Del Matsumoto and the Atrocious Alliance, just everything. It's like I don't even know how to compare it. It's like comparing like the like the now the the friendly like lovable Dark Order. I'm pretty sure if like there was a small child in the front row with a balloon, she would take the balloon and bite it. Hmm. Like, and she's and this is the thing is too like she comes after Devil Masame, who is equally as terrifying a heel. Hmm. Like that's kind of this is kind of like the archetype of the '80s AJW heel. Which is just that big, colorful, like just awful person of a heel. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a human kaiju kind of thing in I, the that's just a great way to force put of it. nature. Yeah, yeah. Um, the it, it's kind of like if you were to. Uh, I'm gonna go for a, com- a comparison here, and you guys are gonna have to tell me if I'm off base. But it's kind of like if you were to mix like Sandman with Aja Kong. And turn her loose with a mean streak. That's that's kind of the best the the best like in ring comparison I can think of at the moment. Is that am I am I am I missing with that? No. No. Alright. Oh. Gokulaki Dome. That's the atrocious alliance's okay. full name. Mm-hmm. But I, I think what makes her more terrifying is like there's a point in halfway through the match and she's been like pretty much beating Bull Nakano with a kendo stick for, like, a lot of the match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're in the ring, and Nakano's, like, kind of getting up, and she hands her a kendo stick, and she's like, come on, like, just let's let's get nuts. Oh, yeah. I saw that. <laughs> she hands her a weapon, and it's like, all right, let's go. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah, she did not care. You've got a, you've got a, a Michael Keaton moment there. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. And uh, then she proceeds to get nuts, and uh, Bull Nakano doesn't get quite as nuts. I might have to see if IVP has a dump comp, because, like, she might, with more exposure, she might be in running for, like, goat heel of all time, if, like, this is what her work is. I mean, not, like, the riot part, but, like, if her character is like this across the board, like, she might be a goat-level heel. I, these are all names that I had like heard before. Like I'd heard her name, but I hadn't really watched uh, her stuff. But now it's like it's one of those things where it's like you you always hear so oh so and so's a legend, and until you actually see their work, you don't quite get it. But then you see their work, and it's like oh yeah 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 it uh, it clicks with me now. <laughs> it's like like if you were to this is not quite the comparison I'm trying to draw, but if everyone always says like oh yeah. Uh, take like way before like ECW, but Terry Funk was like this you know Hall of Fame like world level worker, and you're like, oh really? It's like all I know is like you know the Terry Funk from like ECW and stuff like that, and then you go back and watch his stuff from like the 70s or even stuff we talked about on the show like the empty arena match or the feud he had with Flair, and you see that and it's like, oh okay yeah I get it I totally yeah. get it now. It's like not grasping the enormity of what you're looking at from a picture. You know, you, you look at uh, uh, the Washington Monument or um, the the you know how big like the Titanic was supposed to be, and then whenever you're standing next to uh, next to it or next to like what a piece of it, and you look at it and you go, oh, oh wow, I I did not, I I didn't get it. Um, 
yeah, it, it's 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 a very different thing. Mm-hmm. She still wrestles. Wait, Her, what? So she wrestled. Um, she wrestled for zero one on the tenth of April. How mobile is she? I don't know. Um, she 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 was pretty regular until COVID happened. She's wrestled four times this year. Um, mm. and Jaguar Yakota still wrestles too, but I think she made a comeback recently. No, that might have been Dynamite Kansai. A couple of those ladies have made like comebacks recently, but I know Jaguar is still pretty regular, and I think Dynamite Kansai still does here and there. Hey, Brad. Yeah. I just looked it up on IVP. There's no, it doesn't look like there's a specific uh, comp for Dump, but he has many, many um, AJ, uh, All Japan women, so AJW classics. Oh, I have a lot of those classic. on a drive. I'll have to. Yeah. Have so to there's some of that. He looks like, I may have to get this because it's a Blu ray that is All Japan Classics volumes 1 through 10. Which has a lot of matches, a lot which m- many of which feature um, dump, including one. I'm so curious about this one now. Bull, uh, it's from uh, August 22nd, 1985. Bull Nakano and Dump Matsumoto versus the Jumping Bomb Angels. Oh, that's on two YouTube. Out of, two out of three falls match. Oh, really? Yeah, it's on YouTube. Oh wow, I'm gonna have to watch that one. That looks crazy. Um, I in again doing like research for this. Dump Matsumoto. Uh, tremendous heel, but she also uh, had a long-running feud uh, against the Crush Gals, which was Chigusa Nagayo and um, Lioness Asuka. Lioness Asuka, yeah. So, and that was like, I guess, like legendary back in the day. I guess maybe you I could think, consider. Hmm? Which one did? So I think I think um, Chigusa Nagayo ran Arceon. Is that the one she ran? That sounds right. Let me look it up. Okay. I remember um it was the JWP but I think she ran Arcyon. Uh oh no, Gaia. Gaia, okay, okay. I knew it was one of those like weird ones. Uh, cuz it was Gaia and then Arcyon were like the weird when you're getting into Japanese wrestling those are always like the weird names like what is this? <laughs> uh oh, Ar- well, okay. Arcyon was created was actually founded by Aja Khan. Okay. Okay. Um but I you know, I think the big star there was uh, Mariko Yoshida. Yeah, I think so. Like she was the one I think like uh, um, was heavily featured. She was like their ace. Yeah. Um, but Linus Sukut actually did. Um, Linus Sukut actually worked for for RCN for a bit too. Yeah. Um, so interesting fact about Dump is she. I think about 1988 she retires because Joshi had that stupid "you have to retire at 25" rule for a long time. Mm. And then she did not wrestle from 1988 to 2003. She made a comeback in 2003, and she's wrestled until today without, like, a break. That's really, to to go that long and be able to bounce back, that's really impressive. I wonder if that's um, also why she's wrestled as late as she had, is because she got, like, a a 15-year break in the middle of her life where she did not beat the shit out of herself. Hmm. Yeah, it would probably help. Um, I, I'm not sure how much muscle memory is going to persist after that, but you know the fact that she she knew all of this stuff and was able to come back at it from a 
you know, a more mature perspective. Yeah. I'm sure I'm certain helped. I did like um dump chasing the crowd after the match. Mm-hmm. Even the announcers ran away and they're just like standing there still trying to talk with their notes because they ran away from their desk. It, it that's an interesting dynamic uh, that would not work in the in the states, but definitely works here. Um, so, Let's, you know, you do that in the states and you're going to get someone. No one told me to run from the boogeyman. It's like, well, um, what do you expect is going to happen? Well, speaking but, of um, announcers, so there's um, I can't remember his name. He was a vet and he was doing this thing where like. El Desperado is carrying him around on a chain. And um, this is a house show, I think. And he dives across the table and attacks the announcer and tears his shirt off. And then the announcer had to do the rest of the show with no shirt on. And it was hilarious. <laughs> they even had to do the intermission. He's just sitting there with no shirt on. Yeah, I mean, might as well. Yeah. But I, th- I thought this was... Not really a match, but it was entertaining. I will say I was entertained by what I saw. It, uh, con- calling it a controlled riot is pretty accurate because it's just violence from the very beginning. There, it's it's organized, but only in like the loosest sense because it's mostly it's just like them fighting with weapons. At one point, Bulnakana is like attacking her with uh, a nunchucks. It's insane. It is. Yeah. And that's what, I that's why I picked thing, it because I was watching this and like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> the the thing that I was I was a bit confused because I, I I mean I I don't have all the backstory with all Japan women or why they're feuding or what ha- or what was the purpose of this match. So then there's like I didn't quite understand. It. It's like why 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 the violence why the weapons like why like the just like the brutality that's in going into play here um, and some of the other women who are like seconds. Uh, mm-hmm. They were kind of getting involved in the match. I didn't quite understand that because there's one. I assume it's like a maybe it's their stable mate or I, I don't thought know. It might have she... been Condor Sato by like looking at pictures. Uh, I can I mean try and look and see if it's her. But it, she at one point in the match, about a third of the way through the match, uh, she's kind of like trying to to help Bolnakana only in the sense like like Bolnakana is getting like brutalized by Dump. And the woman like tries to like basically like like cover cover a bowl with her body like standing up and you're being like hey hey like let her let her get up let her like give her like a minute to breathe and dump just like starts smacking her around until she's yeah. the, attacking bull that was it was great yeah and so then the woman just like oh okay I guess I'm supposed to attack a bull then yeah I got shamed and then <laughs> and just starts like kicking bull Nikado. it's like what the hell happened that actually, right? I, I like that that was like. I like the storytelling there because it's like, wow, she's so terrifying. She just got this person to turn on Bull I, just by threatening her. True bully, Bull Nakata, yeah. Bob Dumasimoto, like just starts bullying her into into attacking, you know, Bull Nakano. Yeah. See, uh, one over the course of this match, Bull Nakano throws two or three German suplexes, which. If I understand correctly, and if I'm wrong, tell me, but if I understand correctly, that's kind of the hallmark of you being on the the, the younger end and the lower end of the totem pole. Um, but Matsumoto doesn't go up for them at all. And I'm watching this, and I'm thinking to myself, you 
beaten the piss out of her this entire match, the least you could do is go up for the Germans. Come on. <laughs> like, go up at least a little bit. But no, it, it looks like Bull just like has to sandbag her over. The pile driver dump did looked really good too. It did. The pile driver looked really good. Um Okay, wow. Um <laughs> I just I did a Google image search of Dump Matsumoto. Yeah. And I don't know why. I understand that I, I've heard that in other it has different connotations in other cultures. I don't think that this is one of them. There are some pictures out there of Dump Matsumoto with like a swastika painted on her forehead. Whoa. <laughs> and I assume it's because they're, the gimmick is like, you know, be like the most evil and satanic person you can be net versus her trying to actually like, I mean, it's, it's the 80s. Shit. Yeah. But it's just, it's, it's, I think it's, it's, it is the eighties and it just seems to me, I, I, t- I'm taking this as, like I let me try and be as like uh, as offensive slash Wait, insane you, as possible. You have to remember though that they um it was used a lot because there's a lot of NES games where they they edited out swastikas for um yeah because there was um Kid Dracula. I mean you're like fighting like people from the clan in like one of the mm-hmm. levels. Yeah, but still that's uh. Uh, you know that's that's a and i think there's a probably <laughs> cultural difference there though because like their status in world war ii i think like that's stigmatized and bad but i don't think it has the same visceral like reaction mm-hmm. there that it does here mm-hmm. well i mean we're not going to get into it but uh, in World War Two, the Japanese did some shit that yeah, oh yeah, was, um, as Unit Seven Thirty One. Oh, did they yeah. get that they got a total pass on when they were probably just as bad, if not worse, than the Germans in a lot oh, of it's, respects. It's, yeah, it's, if, it, if anyone wants to like not wants to lose sleep for like a, a while, uh, read up. Yeah, read. If read you've up. ever wanted to vomit all over your keyboard mm. or your phone, that's a good way to do it. Uh, read about the rape of Nan King. Like, oh yeah, yeah that's yeah. another one. Yep, that's another one. So yeah, um, yeah, we we've taken a dark turn real suddenly here. Uh, yeah, I I did uh, see this image from by. It looks like it, it says it's five years ago, um, and it's uh, clearly an older um, Dump Matsumoto and Bolnicano from about five years back, which would put them like in their uh, like 50s. late fifties, mid fifties, late 50, mid mid fifties roughly. Um. And some person commented, it's like a Reddit thread, I think, and some person commented, he goes, oh, I didn't recognize Dump, uh, with her being smaller, not having a swastika on her head, and not being soaked in the blood of her enemies. <laughs> <laughs> she kind of looks like a sweet old grandma in some of these she does. pictures. She does. And it's like, wow, that sweet old grandma would bite your face off if you, like, crossed her. It's, it's like if it ever surfaces and there's a picture of... Um, Minoru Suzuki having a tender moment with somebody, you just look at that and you just you're wondering when it's gonna snap and the violence is gonna kick in. Minoru would probably cry and be like, "You're my hero! Like every every evil thing I've ever done has been a tribute to you." <laughs> the, it, you reminded me, a little old lady that's scary. This is a total tangent, but I'm gonna tell a story anyway. 
when I was in high school, there was a substitute teacher and she, I don't, she had to be in her eighties. She's this little old lady. It was very soft-spoken and she'd been a teacher and retired and now she's subbing because I don't know why. But the way she talked, I was convinced she had a gun in her purse. Like, don't, you know, I'd be like, I, I don't think we ought to push her too far. And but why not? And I think she's got a gun in her purse and I don't want to find out if that's the case or not. And that, you know, this description here of Matsumoto is what's <laughs> reminding me of this little old lady. But yeah, I think um, I think she was absolutely terrifying. Like, I want to see more of her because like she was a very compelling character. Because mm-hmm. that means you're com- good at your job when like there's a language barrier and you get it like with no help. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean her um her body language, just her her charisma and presence comes through. You don't have to speak a, an absolute a, not a lick of. of Japanese and it still comes across which I think like that's you're really really hitting something on all cylinders if you can do that right that that was something that uh, was impressed on me in a big way was can can the crowd get what you're doing by your body language and um, that was something that Bobby Fulton told me at one point he said you know you're you're doing this for you know, you're doing this for the people. You've got to do it so that the people in the back know what's going on. You know, grandma and grandpa yeehaw sitting in the back need to be able to tell what you're doing from where they're sitting. And so, you know, exaggerated movements and and um, reactions and that sort of stuff. But, you know, she's doing it with, you know, telling everybody uh, this morning I woke up and I added violence to my coffee cup <laughs> kind of stuff. It. I would have liked to. This. It honestly felt a little bit squashy to my taste. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would have liked to have seen. You know, if you're gonna if, if you're gonna have the heel just beat the crap out of a face like that, I would be like, hey, you know, I, uh, let's let the the face have some more shine in here. Um, but from what Brad tells me, that's that's just more of a cultural difference. It's a, it's a hierarchical booking. So like, <clears throat> if you go back and watch like Mazala's like Ascension to the Triple Crown, like the first time he challenges Jumbo, he gets like murdered in like eight minutes. It's just a um, the best way I can describe this, and it makes sense. Is it, I say in my wrestling brain. This is this is how it works. Now, you know, not everybody's working, you know, not everybody's looking at it the same way I am. And I understand that. And that's fine. OK, you know, it, it doesn't have to. But in my brain, this is there's certain things I'm looking for, certain ways that things should work. And um, that that's just one of them. Losses don't mean as much in Japan, especially if you're expected to lose. That kind of makes sense, because if you. um if you watch something like the like even like the G1 mm-hmm. uh, and for New Japan uh, guys will, will eat losses and the thing that only really matters is like the guy someone who wins big or goes very far in the tournament you can see like oh okay like they're probably uh, positioning that person for like a, a title shot mm-hmm. um, and they don't they don't necessarily even need to win the title shot when they eventually get it but it's more about you know building somebody up but it's something where it's like guys in the tournament like will eat losses where it's like, oh, like 
and it's either it's not really presented as something that's like like fatal or matters as much whereas it's different mindset i guess in america where it's like you know you, if you care about you should care about wins and losses but yeah, there's there are people here it's like if a guy loses you're like oh well that's that's it that's he's done he's like well no not necessarily not necessarily but we have been dealing with a major promotion who stacks losses on people and then wonders why they're not over. Yeah, that's true. Like so, there, there is ways that you can do it, I guess, poorly and no one gets over. Yeah. yeah. Or trying to use one up and comer to put over another up and comer and then wonder why it's like, well, he's not as over as he was. It's like, no, he's not. And he's like, and then this guy's not over as, as over as he should be. It's like, well, no, why, why do you think that's the case here? But uh, like, that's a cultural difference. And, and well, and I, some, I, of it, some of it, though, could work here in America. So, like, when Hiroshi Tanahashi's not, like, getting pushed, he's doing mid-card stuff, and he's eating some losses. But then what you do is you put him in tags, and then he doesn't eat the pinfall loss because in Japan, and AEW does this too, but, like, if you're in a tag and you don't and you're the non the person that loses is the person that gets pinned so you can be on the losing side of the tag but you save face if you don't get pinned yeah which america should be the same way but wwe doesn't like pay that much attention right like it has that way of protecting guys and then when you're ready to push him again you have all sorts of avenues like he can win the g1 you can just pile a bunch of wins on he can win the new japan cup like they have um they have ways of like getting you back into a, into title contention in a short period of time. They're just they're structured very differently. Yeah, and it's it. I will. It's not bad. I, I'll admit I'm not used to it, and so it makes my, sense if you're actively following it. Then you get like the flow of things. My my southern style brain is going to push back on stuff, you know. <laughs> so. Uh, that that's uh, that's something that I'm I'm trying to make myself more and more aware of is like this is a very different thing and you know I can appreciate it being good even if it's very different but I'm still going to end up with some pushback on stuff sometimes so speaking of I think that'll <laughs> that'll move us over what were you going to say I, Matt can I add one more thing to the yeah. Like old school, uh, not, not I can't even say it's old school. It's more within recent memory, uh, Joshi stuff. Uh, since you brought up Arsian like a, a little bit ago, Brad, I am just remen- reminded like for people who this is something that years ago, like uh, twenty plus years ago at this point, was a big deal. Like try and find from like the late nineties, the uh, it's an Arsian match between Ayako Hamada. And Aquino uh, against uh, I'm gonna butcher it's LCO like Las Cachorros Orientales, which is um, Atsuko Mito and Mima Shimoda. That is a fantastic brawl where it's just girls getting bloody because it, they're just like brutal. Atsuko Mita and Mima Shimoda are like much smaller than Dub Matsumoto and Boldegano, but they are brutal. And they just come off as like the biggest like bitches on the planet, just terrorizing Ayakamata and and Akino. It's a fantastic tag match. Like everyone should should try and get that. That was for the RCN 
Um, I think the tag titles. I'll have to look that up. Have you, you haven't? Oh, you haven't seen that one? I haven't, it's been a long time. It's fantastic. It's it's it's. I would say it's like kind of like star making for Ayako Hamada. Cool. I'll have, to, I'll have to rewatch that one. You said Arsene, right? Yeah, she was maybe like 18 when that happened, which it sounds impressive, but it, given given lots of Joshi promotions nowadays, it's like she could have been 18 years old and been like a several year pro. Yeah, definitely. So are we are we coming into the future now, guys? Mm-hmm. The future, Conan. The future. <laughs> oh look, there's um Kushida free off of his contract. Yep. Yeah, he is. He's... They wasted lots of years of his life. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, this was the Shuri versus Utami match that you guys referenced earlier. Yep. Um, so, uh, what's backstory on this? Um, Utami had been the champion... I think for since November at this point, and Suri had earned herself a title shot. Like I think the announcers had mentioned she'd won seven matches in a row. Oh, heads up! Um, this match also has English commentary, which made me feel so much better. <laughs> who uh, who were the commentators? I, I think, think Chris it's like Brooks Chris, Chris Brooks, who himself is a is a worker. He's a he he wrestles a lot with DDT. Yeah. Um and. I know that he's been doing a lot of the uh, English commentary with uh, uh, Ali and Akian. Yeah, Tokyo Joshi Pro. Um, I was interesting to see him like on a Stardom pay per view, and who there was at least like a Scottish guy, I think. Yeah. Too doing commentary, and I think I felt like there was a third person, but I'm not. I don't quite know. I thought it was interesting because in TJPW he's much more jokey, and um, yes. And thus, he was playing it much more serious. Well, that makes sense, because Stardom is more... It's largely more as a, a serious promotion, whereas TJPW is more like a... Um, it's a mix. Essentially, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's kind of like the equivalent of like the sports entertainment, Joshi Fed. Yeah, definitely. But, like, if, um, if, like, Nico's doing something, you know, they'll make jokes about, like, her being a cat and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like it was interesting to see him playing it more straight, but like you said, it was it's a more it's a more um, serious promotion. So this is um. So I don't know how best to describe this. This does have like very um, like old school big title match like methodical pace to it. Mm-hmm. Um, very well, good mat work I thought early. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't to me. To me, this is a tale of two matches because it kind of is two matches. Yeah. Because when they well, so we'll go through the first part, but so they do a lot of mat work early. I'd say through the first eight to ten minutes, which I thought was excellent, and I wish Randy Orton would watch this so he could make his mat work interesting because um, there is a lot of struggle and fighting, and they keep the visual interesting, mm-hmm. and it's very crisp too. You mean you don't like holding the chin lock for five minutes? And not moving, yes. I yeah. don't like them dead fishing it. Um, I'm looking at my notes. There's 
uh, one thing that, that happened over the course of this match is there was blocking of techniques by striking the, the arm or the leg that was doing them um, is something I wish I had thought of doing when I was working because it looks great and that would have that would have been in character for me. But for some reason, someone getting ready to throw a clothesline and me punching them in the arm never occurred to me. But, you know, we get we get that style of thing here and I look at it and I sigh and I think, oh, you might have done it if someone was kicking the shit out of you like Surrey was. <laughs> well, that, that's what I mean is, is OK, I'm, I'm not going to try and pat myself on the back by saying this, but Surrey works like the superlative of the style that I was trying to work like. Hers is like the 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 final form of the style I was striking and submission stuff, um, and you know that it we my my status was not helped by the fact that I didn't work like I was one of the biggest guys there, and I, I should have. But um, it, it's just a, a spot that I wish I would have thought of doing back then. So what I thought was interesting with this match is they um. I mean, the story they're telling is very simple, but there's, like, a lot of deep, small details they put into it, like their hesitancy to lock up and how every move has to be calculated, and you're not just going to throw a kick because if you just haphazardly put a leg out there, it's going to... it could cost you. And mm-hmm. um, really, both of them have their defined roles within the match, and they they sometimes go outside of their lane, but if they do, they usually pay for it in some horrific fashion. Mm-hmm. And they also have um, spot progression because Sherry goes for a cross arm breaker several times, but each time she does it, does it, it's she's getting closer and closer to her goal with it. Like early on, she puts it on, and Utami's she's got the hands clasped together; she doesn't get anywhere with it. And then later on, she's getting closer and closer to locking her out with it. So there's. Mm-hmm. A nice rolling progression that um, really fits the the Japanese style of watching, like the patience for it. That's not uh, what you would get from widespread watchers in the states. You know, it's it, the the quiet. We're paying attention, and then we we clap and cheer after a big move or a big sequence or something like that. Is it, like I know why they do it. But that's still very alien to me. Like that's, I I still look at that and I'm like, do people not care? You're so quiet. You know, it's it, you know, see, it, it, now, it still bugs my the the lizard part of my wrestling brain. See now, though, I feel like if I was watching this live and I was sitting there in the front row, like the second row, I don't think I would be saying anything either because I think I would just be like enthralled by what they're doing, and I would just be quiet because I'm. Like you don't want to miss something. Yeah, it, it's it's just it is a very different uh, spectator culture that is utterly utterly alien to the way that I did it. So it's it's I know why I I understand that, but it instinctively does not fit. I guess is the best way I can put it. Now there's some there's also some small details into this match that I like. So I like that. Um, Suri gets Itami out of the ring, and she has a 20 count. 
So she just sits on the rope and takes a breather for like the first five of the count, mm-hmm. which is smart. But I also like, so when Utami gets in real trouble in some of those holds, like she has to get to the ropes, but she can't see the ropes. So she kind of just, there's points where she's like in a lot of trouble and she's just kind of flailing her legs around trying to get any chunk of rope that she can get her. Yeah, her that on. was cool. That was cool. Mm-hmm. That's that's that I like. Uh, I I mark that in my head as a clever bit of sell, because she's well, not just looking to get out, but she's also selling the oh god, oh god, oh god aspect of it. It's like a desperation yes. uh, element to it. But that I mean that's if if the whole point is that this is supposed to be you're supposed to be suspending disbelief. This is a you know a real athletic competition between two people like that would that would kind of make sense like that would be how you like if someone's putting you in like a really devastating submission move you would be like frantically trying to get out of it you wouldn't just be like oh let me kind of roll towards the ropes like no like the selling is makes perfect sense where it's like no i gotta get i gotta get to the ropes as soon as possible Mm -hmm. because damage is being done yeah and i need to prevent that from happening any any moment further yeah then um so on the continued wagon of small details so i like that there's a point where suri hurts her leg so she starts kicking with the other leg mm-hmm. and um yeah. there's there's also some interesting stuff like uh they did a really good like i know shad didn't like the spot but they did like a wheelbarrow suplex into the apron. oh screw that spot god and she sold that like death and i think she got in at like 19 and a half yeah she that... sold it like death you could have it, it a spot like that it'd be like i could see somebody dying from that kind of thing that's that i hated that spot i didn't that, think you'd like that the butterfly one no, the, the wheelbarrow suplex oh, on the edge of the apron. Uh, sorry, I said butterfly, but I meant that one. Yeah, the wheelbarrow. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it did look brutal. Yeah, it looked like she hit the base of her skull on the edge of the apron. I don't think she did, but I think that visually that's what you were supposed to expect. I think if you I think if I think if you got an angle of it from the side, I bet she just went in shoulder like she it was like her her shoulders and it would look mm-hmm. less worse. Um, but I was like, oh, Shad's not going to like that. No, no, that 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 one was bad enough that it made me angry. <laughs> I also like that they did they 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 largely kept it in their pants, which is a big complaint I have about a lot of American workers and and indie style. Is there were a lot of times where where Surrey was just like, well, I could do something fancy, or I could just kick her and do the same damage for for less. That was that was a progression of what you were talking about earlier. Is the um everything has to be calculated and it's like well if i go for something else that's got a history of not working so i'm a just kicker um and, and there's a point where tommy was down and suri just kicks her right in the face which i i like that part <laughs> uh let me see uh, and I suri the- suri works her kicks very very well. The only reason that I was able to catch how she was working them is uh, one, she does them in a way I used to, and then two, Brad had sent uh, you had sent a um, a GIF of her doing that, and the GIF was slowed down, so I was able to pick it out because just watching it live, she throws them much faster 
and it's harder to see. But she does she does a great job working, um, especially the head kicks. Yeah, I mean, she's for those who don't know, she is a legit like martial artist. Fought in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she she yeah she has a career both in in, in shoot boxing, kickboxing. Um, has worked for Pancrase uh, Ultimate Fighting Championship. She's done mixed martial arts matches before, not that many, but she's she has done them. Um, and so she she's very knowledgeable about actual like fighting, like real fighting. So her transitioning that into like you know working her kicks and things like that and making them look like really good and snug, mm-hmm. like she's done that. There are people who. I uh, argue right now. I've seen them on like Twitter that argue that she is the best women's wrestler in the world currently. I don't agree with that. I don't know that I would agree with that either, but she's exceptionally good. She's she would be cuz I don't even think she's the best in stardom. Mm. Cuz I would say Io Shirai is still better even though she's completely hamstrung. Um now I'm going to draw a blank on all these stardom people. Um, Isn't Kyrie Sane back there now? Yeah, but I yes. can't. You can't put someone up there that's uh, not been active. But like, um, God, sorry guys. I, I, because like she would probably <laughs> be top five-ish in stardom. But I think there's a couple workers that I would put over her. I think she's inexperienced, and I would say give her like two or three years. But like ACM is yeah, a fantastic worker. Um, but honestly, like someone like Julia is a fantastic worker. She kind of she she's respected, but I don't know that she's given as much respect as she deserves. Um, I had no problem with them putting the title on Siri down the road. She yeah. didn't win it here, but I would this, say me, like, Mayu Iwatani's better than her. Uh, there are people who would probably agree with that. Um. To me, this is a, this was like the this was two matches because they had the thirty minute draw, and then they kind of both agreed to like let's do it, let's do some more. Mm-hmm. And then to me, like they went, they went, how long did they go? Another ten minutes, fifteen minutes? Fifteen minutes. They went 15 about minutes. fifteen to sixteen minutes. Yeah, because like so they they kept it pretty slow, and um, and then when they do the restart, they just kind of start going to town on each other. I actually like the second half much better because they just started like throwing all of their like heavy shit at each well, other. It's it's something that Shad and I talked about with Iron Man matches and hour long matches in general is that you have to have a couple of style matches in there and that's what they did here except they had a time limit draw and a brief rest between going into the second match. And um so the the I'd say the 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 second part is much more frantic and like just trying to get that kill shot in. Yes. Yeah, it's that's exactly that's probably the best way to put it. Like they just start going all out yeah, think, to try and get that win. I think in the mm-hmm. story in story wise though, I think I think where the second half is different too is Utami knows that she is screwed and she mm-hmm. has to put her away. So a lot of it is Utami just trying to get big stuff on her mm-hmm. to like put her away. Because she knows, like, she can't go forever. Yeah. Yeah. Because this match is very much, and Shad said it earlier, this match is a lot about cumulative damage. Mm-hmm. 
Um, there, there's, there's some stuff that happened in this that I actually, uh, that I did not like, um, that there's, there's the, uh, okay. One thing that's just absolutely surprised the hell out of me. There was a wrist lock superplex in this match. I, that, like for I don't I don't know why but for some reason that never like that just blew my mind. It's a wrist lock superplex, and then I think uh, she tried to to cross arm break her again. Like that's really cool. And then Utami gets out of it and immediately like wheelbarrow suplexes her. And I'm just like no 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 no. You just got superplexed onto your arm. You just had that arm put in a cross arm breaker. You don't get to just pop up and throw something like that. that doesn't work. Like they had a, they exhibited something that I personally don't like, and I call it the one more before the sell, where it's like, oh, I'm taking this, I'm taking this, and now I'm gonna grab you and throw you in a suplex, and now I'm gonna sell. And it's just like, no, come on, like seriously, if you're going into a double down. Don't do it with something where it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to suplex you. If you do it out of like a desperate lariat or something like that, that I get. But yes. picking up and flinging someone. No, I don't like that. Like that screws the sequence for me. I feel like that's a crutch that a lot of times Japanese promotions will do. You got real quiet there, Matt. Yeah, I did myself for a second. Um, oh, okay. Because I was coughing. Um, I I do think that's like a crush that Japanese promotions use a lot. Um, you'll you'll definitely see that like in New Japan sometimes, where it's like a big move, uh, and they'll just like they'll go down because of the big move, but then they'll pop immediately back up and then hit them hit their own like big move, mm-hmm. and then they'll collapse. And it's like. It can kind of make sense in the sense like, oh, the adrenaline or um, I don't know, like the – but it, it kind of gets old after a while. Like once you do that like five times match, it gets kind of like bad. Yeah. It, I don't like it in concept because for me it takes me out of what I'm watching. You know, yeah. I'm watching this happen and – you know, and, and it it also got real bad in the aughts with um, like Kurt Angle was bad about it, and oh, Kurt Angle was fucking terrible about it, and and Voldemort was bad about it, and then you put them in a match with each other, and they real they were awful about doing it you, to each other. What, what Angle did that pissed me off though is where he was really bad with it is when they were going to the top rope and he was laying there selling, and suddenly like he was just on the top rope with him like nothing was a problem to do like the angle slam or he pops up there and does that top rope superplex and they go down and then he goes back to selling it's like no or um let me think of another good somebody's got angle in the corner and they're just going to town on him and they come in with a big like running splash and then the you know a big boot and then a bunch of knees and then angle slips around him does german suplex and then he lays down to sell and i'm like no now I'm okay, fine. No. I'm fine. Like so, where I, I'm going to differentiate a little bit is if you do it right, it's okay. Like let's say you pop back up and the guy comes off the ropes and you catch him with a power slam and then like sell. 
or um, you catch him with like a belly to belly and then sell. Like I think if you situationally like you're up and they're like coming at you and you do like something just with leverage that gets a move off, like not anything fancy. I'm talking like, oh, they're coming at you and oh, I got him in a power slam, but oh crap, I'm screwed. Like I, I think stuff like that is acceptable in context. If you can, if you can, we we can ride the suspension of disbelief of, I've got them with a sucker punch and now they're down. And so you come running at me to do a power slam. I don't have to lift you for it. A power slam, well, it can be an I lift you and slam you, or it can be a I'm torquing your momentum to fling you kind of thing. Or the okay. stun gun. The stun gun's actually a good desperation. Yes, so mm-hmm. there, there's a good one for you. Is uh, you know a, a pop up uh, pop up clothesline or a stun gun or something like a sucker punch. You know, you're like, oh, you know, wobbly, and the guy comes at you, and you hit him with a sucker punch, and then you collapse because it's like that took more out of it. Like, I can get that, but not like, you know, you've been beating the crap out of me. I slip behind you, and then I throw you a German suplex, and now I'm going to sell. It's like, no. No, 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 no. And, and in my mind, the I'm going to do a German suplex before I sell is like the hallmark of this and w- one more before the sell kind of thing. And I really just – really really dislike it now there is one that she did with selling that i liked uh utami did this where she did the sit out power bomb but she did not have enough left in her to actually get her up properly so she did what she could and then tried to like get her arms down with her legs like i really like that as like a desperation like this is going to be ugly as hell but this is all i can literally do right now yeah this this is what i got yeah oh yeah i agree with that and the other thing um, that and it, this is going to be a, a point of contention between us, but and this is going to my wrestling brain again. But I very, very, very much hate the fact that we had a time limit draw that went to a non finish. I hate that. Yeah, I didn't like the finish. Um, I can accept like a, a, I conceptually the way that it was done, I can kind of accept a non-finish or basically like another draw of sorts, not a time limit draw, but like a both kink fries to the, the ten count. It's just that the way that they actually did it here, I thought was done poorly. I don't because, feel so. I I think. I wasn't thrilled with it, but it's not like WWE where it like pissed me off or anything. I was just kind of like, oh, well, that's a bummer. But like, eh, I wonder if I can find that rematch. Like, it wasn't, um, it wasn't like angering. It was just kind of like, oh, well, that's a bad ending. But I didn't feel like necessarily like I got screwed mm-hmm. by the way they did it. I felt like that's just what they went for. I very actively, whenever that that finish happened, I looked at it. And very loudly said, oh, come on. You've got to hmm. be kidding me. Because, look, just like that one WrestleMania main event that I hated so much, don't take me all the way here to have a draw and then restart. You know, like, because you could have done all of this in a either a longer format and not have to have the restart in the middle of it or – you could if you if the match ends without a thing and you go back into it 
and you still don't get a finish out of it, then you have there was no point in doing it in the first place. Well, you have to understand that on the time limit draw and the restart, like that does not happen in Japan. So that in and of itself was a oddity. But well, you know, that you also it should get... not have happened here. Is but my, I think I think you would tell from like crowd reaction though, like when you're disciplined with finishes like that, that actually meant something versus WWE. If they have like an Iron Man match, you're just like, well, I'm just going to sit here because only the last 10 minutes and the restart and whatever they do, you know, matters. Yeah. And it would have worked if they had, in this case, if they had an actual finish on the end of it. Well, they they came back around and did a no time limit draw. They did a no time limit match in December. Which she got the rematch. Because what happens after this is she goes... So what happens is she goes to the five-star Grand Prix, which is like their kind of version of the G1. So she wins that, but she loses to Konami during that tournament. And then she runs into Utami again, and they have a time limit draw in like a 20 minutes, I think. But then she goes on, like, she has a little... Because that's like October. So then she avenges her loss to Konami, and then she goes on and beats... Um, Utami in the rematch, like mm-hmm. I think on December 29th, in like a 36-minute match. Yeah. So that's kind of where the story goes from here. Can I go on? Can I get, add one more thing about the finish? Yeah. Mm-hmm. For for it, people who watch this match, it's it's available free on YouTube through like the star. I think it's like the Stardom uh, channel, but it basically like uh, Utami hits her with like a big lariat. And then Siri like gets up like that was nothing, and then hits her with a kick, which basically like crumples Utami. And then Siri just like kind of goes down to her knees and like falls down. And it's like oh she, she can't answer the ten count, but it's like the way the sequence worked, it didn't seem like oh like the um the lariat was enough to do that. I think what it they didn't... were going for was. Because if you think about, like, especially the second part, like, um, it, it was supposed to be, like, the cumulative damage of, like, Utami repeatedly dropping her on her head, which is what, no, like, a lot of her offense was based on. Conceptually, the... I get, I conceptually get that, but I still think that visually the way it was presented. No, it didn't work. It, it didn't work. Like, and if it was a situation where it's, like, Utami like did something where it's like she put her in like a northern lights bomb or something like that where it's like she just dropped Siri in her head and then Siri like got up like stumbled up and clearly was like loopy but then she was able to like muster a kick and then collapse like that visually that would have made more sense to me like it would have been like okay like she knocked Siri for a loop and so it's believable if she like collapses but Siri had just enough in the tank to throw like this kick because she basically has educated feet. She knew what to do. Uh, that would made sense. But since it's like she got up after a Larry, it didn't seem like it bothered her at all. And then threw a kick, and it's like, oh yeah, I have to fall down now. And it 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 didn't work for me. Like I, I didn't think, like. I think they would have been better just doing a superplex spot, and neither of them could get up. Yeah. That would have been better than what we got. But that's still a non-finish after a restart, and that to me, that's just a that's a cardinal sin for me, and uh, it, it it's not something I'm going to budge on. Um, but overall, you this don't, is yeah. 
overall, despite the finish, I thought this was absolutely excellent. Um, I know I had mentioned it before, but like, I can't think of anything other than that Britt Baker Thunder Rosa lights out match. I can't think of a North American women's match that like even begins to approach this in terms of quality. Oh, I would, I would generally, I would agree with that. I, we were talking like off, uh, off mic, and Brad really is really high on it. You you would have put it like on your, on your probably on your short list for match of the year. It would probably been in my top ten or top fifteen. Uh, and I I'd have to like watch it again and kind of stack it up, but it was a very good match, and I don't I'd have to I'd also have to watch it again to see like an accurate like star rating. Um, but it's definitely like to, if you were doing snowflakes. I know we don't usually do that, but I, I would give it at least like four, and that's probably much higher than four. I'd four probably, and a half or I'd mm-hmm. need to watch it again. My initial reaction was probably five stars, but I could see knocking it down to four and three fourths. I don't think I would go as low as four and a half. I think that's a little too low for it, but I would definitely say for me it's at least four and three fourths of a star match. I would say because I didn't like that finish so much, that would knock it down to like four and three fours for me. That's not like probably as high as I could go. I would need to watch it again to, to see. But it's a, it's an absolutely like excellent match, and everyone should watch it. But I would agree with you. I just don't. I have not seen an American women's wrestling match that is quite up to this level. Now I, I probably rate. I'd probably rate something like uh, the lights out match with with Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. Like that might be like a five star match for me, which I feel like this was technically a much better match. They're um, different things though, because I would. But say, they are, yeah, yeah, they're different things and in different ways. Like, so that's not really like a knock on this. It's an excellent match. Um, it's, it's well just, executed. They're, like they're just like you for like. It's just it's well executed. There's not that hesitancy you get in like a lot of North American matches. Like they, it's very smartly worked. I think they tell a good story. There's a lot of little details that reward you for paying attention to it. And even like I think Shad is someone that's worked before. Had a lot of commentary on like things they were doing. Yeah, they there were lots of little things they were doing that I really liked, and. I was pondering about this before we got started, and the best I could come up with is that it feels like, and maybe this isn't the case, but it feels like that most of the wrestling that you see in North America um, has at least a facade of the three-ring circus on it. You know, you, you got your high flyers, you got your mat guys, you got your brawlers. And then the women's stuff was just kind of mixed in on that, which means that now you – are you bringing out the women to compete with the the brawlers or the high flyers? Or it's like, well, no, now we've got you know tits match. And it's just – that's not – that's not doing them the honor they should if they're going to work that hard. But they don't – you know, Fit Finley used to – or uh, – Chris Jericho, like chewing some people out in WWE when they're like, oh, the women are out there making us look bad. And Jericho's like, they're complaining about it. And Jericho's like, well, then why don't you get better? Um, you know, that that kind of sums up why for a long time it, it seems to me that you did not have as much uh, good 
you know, women's wrestling on big promotions in in America in the well, in the states. Well, they were all tied to Mula too, and she dumbed it down yeah. to cover up her limitations and stuff. Because if you yeah. watch stuff from like the fifties, like when it was before, like she had really dominated it. Like it's it's like on par with the men's wrestling because they were yeah. trained and like expected to actually wrestle. Yeah, that that's the the Cora Combs era, right? Yeah. We got we got to dig that up because um, oddly enough, my father found uh, the spot where Cora Combs grew up, and it's a kind of a side project of his to get it put on like the the state registry of historic sites or something. Well, but, I'll do uh, some digging because I just saw um, from I think it's like fifty three, maybe no, it might be sixty three. I just found a Buddy Rogers versus Haystacks Calhoun match on the Chicago Film Archive that I kind of want to review for the show. Okay. Um, <laughs> And so I might see what else they have on there. If you don't know what the Chicago Film Archive is, so they they have like a bunch of wrestling from like the 50s and early 60s that was like wrestled in Chicago. I think it was from like the WGN show, or well, no, WGN didn't exist at the time. It was from the Dumont Network show. So it's a lot of 50s wrestling complete and in good shape because they just uploaded like off of like the original film. So that. Like when they started doing that about a decade ago, we suddenly got all this like amazing stuff of people we hadn't seen, like bunches of Luthes, like Vern Gagne and his prime, like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I'll see what else is on there because there is I want to do it at some point, but like it's it's going to take a lot of like paying attention. But there's a I think it's an hour long Luthes versus Vern Gagne two out of three falls match. Wow. That I really want to do that's supposed to be like absolutely amazing. Interesting. And there's stuff like Angelo Poffo's on there. Like it's it's um Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So um that's what we had for tonight. Uh next week I think we're we're going off the beaten path for something. Uh we're we're trying to nail down the topic on that but um you know that's the second match you know despite my complaints and my grumblings and stuff it's a good match you know i just uh you know it hit on some hit on some triggers that hacked me off so i think it's a good um if i was it's a long match but i think if i if someone wanted to get introduced to like stardom and joshi i think i would actually give them that match because the language barrier doesn't matter in the way they work that match. Well, and having the announcers they had helped. Too. Yeah. But, so. um, I think though, as the year progresses, we're going to stay on the Joshi topic a bit and do kind of random matches. I don't think we're going to do whole shows, but, um, I think we're going to maybe stick to the format, maybe like once a month or every other month doing like, Hey, this is a new match. And Hey, like, let's go dig into the archives of like the eighties and the nineties and, and look at, um, something from the past. Okay. Well, um, Matt, was there anything else you wanted to throw in? No. Um, it was really fun watching like this classic, uh, Joshi match. And again, the more recent, uh, one from June of last year between Utami and Siri. It's just really incredibly great. Uh, I would I would add one thing. Uh, Brad mentioned like the hesitancy. Like maybe that's how I would, I would describe it. Because I've tried to ponder like why is basically Japanese women's wrestling so much better by and large. Like Stardom is like the 
arguably the best worked Joshi promotion. Oh, without and, a doubt. I and think, promotions. I think oh, Ice Ribbon before they drove everyone away was going toe to toe with them and work rate, but uh, mm-hmm. Ice Ribbon's really lost a lot in the last year. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Someone like to, companies like Tokyo Joshi Pro, which now is like going to form a, a partnership with AEW. Um, they're more like a what we consider sports entertainment, but even that, it's like I've seen some of that in the last like year, and almost like comedy matches there are worked better than like American wrestling, uh, uh, well, women's pro- professional wrestling in America. No, there's, and there's I, we were talking about mm-hmm. that um, because we were watching that god awful Big Swole Tasha Steele's match. And, I, and Matt and I are talking about, like, there's comedy workers in Joshi Feds that are better than Big Swole. Oh, no, like, Palm Harajuku is pretty much, like, strictly comedy. And she's better and more entertaining to watch. And she's just, like, half the match is, like, her just doing, like, shin kicks. <laughs> or that um, evil clown in Ototai doesn't even really do spots, oh, and she's better. Uh, uh, Starts with an F, I can't. Well, it's isn't it? Is it Fukugan Death? Yeah, Fu- yeah, that's it. Better worker. Well, she's actually like a. I know she's doing like a weird evil clown gimmick, but she's um she's like a longtime professional wrestler. She's really good. Yeah, I'm just saying, even um, her doing her like dumb. I don't really do spots because it's about the haha funny. Like even she's better in that role than Swole is, or even they because. Japan loves their like comedy workers that are incompetent at wrestling. Like even some of those workers are better than Big Swole. Sorry, I'm just on this because we watched that like end run mm-hmm. where she was doing that like double chest thrust and it just looked like so. Ugh. Um, what the what the what the video is is like so Tasha Steeles goes for what I think is supposed to be like an ace crusher, and Big Swole is supposed to block it. And she doesn't really block it. She just sandbags Tasha Steeles. And now let's get it out of the way that Tasha Steeles is actually a good worker in the ring. Mm-hmm. So then she starts having Steeles like run the ropes. And she does this like kind of like, I guess, double chest thrust thing. But it, all it looks like is she's kind of gently like tapping her with her fists. And Tasha Steeles has to sell for these absolutely pathetic looking like. I, I characterized it as a John Mulaney. I'm going to push him. I'm yeah. Gonna push him. And, like, and she did it three times. And Swole, like, never moves. Like, Swole's in the same spot every time yeah. because she can't move. And and people give her, like, an excuse for, like, the Crohn's disease, which I imagine it sucks. But, like, there's a lot of people that work in a lot of pain that are much more. Yeah. Okay. Here's a quick little aside. One of the guys I used to wrestle with had Crohn's disease, and he moved around a lot. Now, I I can't speak to when you get the infusion and how you feel when you do it and that sort of stuff but he was you know just for comparison that the thing that finally clicked into place what that reminded me of of swole not selling and kind of saying but and then here comes you know tasha steals at her and swole is just basically pushing her down over and over again is Hulk Hogan and TNA standing in the middle of the ring, just rotating with one foot planted in place, rotating, punching people that would feed into him. But at least he like, had the excuse that his back was gone. Yeah, but that's what it reminded me of because it's 
I'm going to stay right here and I'm going to do something to put you down, but you have to come to me. That's man. I, I, I don't know that like Hogan had the excuse of being pretty broken down at that point, And you can make the argument, well, he shouldn't have been in the ring doing that then. But if you're supposed to be an active worker, if you're doing if someone's if you knock them down and they're coming up to feed into you again, standing in the exact same place is not a good look. You know, know, it's funnily enough in that that run, he and Sting had this match at Slammiversary that's actually really good if you take into account that Hogan can't bump. Yeah, I've heard about it, but I haven't seen it. We might have to do it on the show at some point, but it's, 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 I mean, you have to take into account and give them some, some bumper because they're both, you know, a little broken down, but it's a shockingly good match for what, okay. what it is. Cause okay. they, cause they, they're smart about, it. they're both smart. They're like, well, Hogan can't bump. Let's just garbage brawl. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you don't see much bumping in garbage brawls because nobody wants to bump on the floor. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but like the thing is though, um, I know there's a lot of pain stuff, but like Big Swole, well, okay, so Big Swole offends me on a number of levels. One, if you're Big Swole, you should actually have some level of definition on your body. Like I, if I was going around calling myself Big Swole, like everyone would be like, why is that fat fuck calling a Big Swole? Like actually, I might do that because I get booed. But you know what I mean? Like you should look like your name. And if you yeah. say Big Swole, I said, okay, this is some muscle head coming out, not, oh, why are you calling yourself Big Swole again? Yeah, yeah. Well, you and, remember there was a swole in the No Limit Soldiers back in the day. Well, that was, um, no, that was, which one was Ahmed Johnson? Was he 2 by 4 uh, yeah, I thought he was Big T. Oh, he might have Big T. Yeah, because he feuded with Booker T over the letter T. Oh, God. Um, did, yep. uh, did Swole actually wrestle? Uh, he did on like Saturday night and he finished with, are you ready? It's the podcast callback finished with the heart punch. Nice. Uh, what was Brad Armstrong's name with them? Uh, I, you know what? I don't think I even realized that he was, he was partnered up with them. Wow. He, he never wrestled with the no limit soldiers. That's interesting. So, but yeah, they had it. They had a guy named Swole who didn't know what he was doing and used a heart punch as a finish. I mean, that's probably the best. uh... Or maybe just don't put him in the ring. That's they, but they were smart enough not to do it on, on their marquee shows. So anyway, I think that about wraps us, right? Yeah. All righty. I'm oh, sorry. Else. I'm. I was trying to see if I could find Swole on Cage Match, but I don't. Yeah. I, I, he's probably got some other name or something. Gotcha. Fred Armstrong just BA on that. I don't know. Because he was like the was... one good worker in that group. Oh no, I guess Mysterio and was in that. Mysterio was in No Limit Soldiers. Yeah, because it was like Conan and him. They were like working with the filthy animals, wasn't he? Uh, I think that predated the filthy animals. Okay. Um, but I don't remember very well. 
I, I blocked a lot of that era of WCW out of my mind. Uh, yeah, it was it was not the best time. So. No. All righty. Everybody, thank you for joining us for this episode. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in. Please hit us up on social media. We would love to hear from you. And so uh, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we will catch you next time.